Chapter 9 of Into the Frozen South by James Marr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Great Blow Falls. January 5th dawned in no wise different from other days. I kept the anchor watch from 3 to 4 a.m., arousing automatically without being called. Almost at once I felt a suggestion of suspense in the atmosphere. What it was I could not tell. But at 7.30 that morning Mr. Hussey came down to the wardroom with the order that all hands must muster forthwith on the poop. We dressed quietly, asking ourselves what this portended. It was a dismal morning. The South Georgian sky was weeping copiously, and we donned oilskins and waterproofs as a matter of course, and got us to the poop, where we were joined by the rest of the hands from forward, included amongst them Mr. Jeffrey, who had been confined to his bunk ever since we left Rio with a torn muscle in his thigh. When the doctor saw him, he was very wroth and ordered him back to his bunk again, saying that no permission had been given for such a mad action. But before this little incident ceased, Mr. Wilde came to us, his face drawn and terribly downcast. Boys, he said, I have terrible news for you all. Sir Ernest Shackleton died early this morning the expedition will carry on that's all and then he turned to dell our bosun and said you'll carry on the same dell yes sir replied dell there was no more to be said whole volumes of dramatic rhetoric could not have conveyed the sad sad truth to our hearts more convincingly we did not expect this tragedy when it came, therefore, it was staggering. Mr. Wilde left us, and we slowly dispersed to our quarters, walking quietly, hushing our voices, for we were in the presence of death. A hero had passed on. During the rest of the day, we talked of nothing else, recalling his kindnesses, his interest in us all, his genial comradeship, his staunch courage and indomitable determination in the face of the most trying odds. A great man had left us, and the ship was lonely. He had died suddenly, almost painlessly, we were glad to know. To the last, he retained his old courage and good cheer. Then, in the chilly solitudes, he went hence mourned by all as trustworthy leader, loyal shipmate, and wise counselor. After midday, he was wrapped up in our silken ensign and reverently lowered into a motor launch and taken ashore, for Mr. Wilde decided that all that was mortal of one of Britain's heroes should worthily lie in the soil of the land he had served so well. That was the last I saw of the boss. So, wrapped in his country's flag, to which he had brought nothing but honor, 
the flag he loved with a genuinely passionate devotion that was not merely expressed in words but also in stirring deeds the great british and arctic explorer passed from amongst us his name will live when many others are forgotten for the men he led who were his friends must necessarily pass down to the generations the truth of his greatness they took him ashore intending to dispatch his body to the england he loved and we others his followers and devoted disciples were left behind to mourn by the natural law of the sea the command passed to the next senior commander frank wilde one who was prepared to carry out to the last letter the program of the man who had conceived the expedition it could not have been entrusted to a worthier substitute commander wilde was engaged on his fifth antarctic expedition he knew intimately every phase of the work involved and there is no question that had both hemispheres been fine-combed a better man could not have been selected caesar died another caesar reigned in his stead but it took some time for our minds to adapt themselves to the altered order of things and for many days life was hazy fogged and unreal for it needs the narrow environment of a small ship i think to enable one to understand what death can really mean in a shore community with many outside interests the loss of even a great man is merely a matter for temporary regret but aboard ship when one goes hence his loss is grievously felt familiar echoes cease the impact of the dead man's personality seems to vanish entirely and leave the vessel without its soul it was not immediately possible to convey the sad tidings to the outer civilized world south georgia is not in telegraphic touch with england or indeed any country and our wireless was so limited in its scope that it was hopeless for us to expect to transmit the message of shackleton's death thus lacking all knowledge of lady shackleton's desire commander wilde decided to send the body of our leader to england and ashore there in the little hospital the mortal remains were prepared for the final journey mr hussey was delegated to form the escort he was one of the most competent members of the staff and his loss to the expedition would be irreparable but a good man deserves good companionship on his progress to the tomb and commander wilde considered mr hussey best qualified for the sad duty right sorry we were to lose him right sorry was he to go for he was the life and soul of the party always provided with a quip and a jest to ease off the foulest conditions and his laughter made even the worst days seem shot through with sudden sunbursts there was a steamer named the professor gruel lying in the harbor as she was due to clear from montevideo in about ten days time her captain was prevailed upon to convey the coffin thus far 
where it could be transshipped for home. It subsequently transpired, however, that Lady Shackleton preferred that our leader's grave should be dug in such a position that it would command the gateway to the south. But long ere he came back to the scene of one of his greatest exploits, we, his comrades, were faring southward ho with our new leader imbued with desire to fulfill all Sir Ernest's ambitions. End of chapter 9